0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. Here are your trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror culture and horror movies, which could involve anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse. There will be F-bombs, C-bombs, D-bombs, G-bombs, and all kinds of other bombs, uh, except for Jaeger bombs. I'm, I'm still hurting from last night a little so (laughs) if you or the listeners are not prepared for that please take care of yourself and come back and join us for all kinds of chicanery and saying fuck and talking about evil things and whatnot Okay. A <laughs> little, little warning we do. You know, we we had it in a different spot of the show, too, before that uh, didn't work out. You know, it's more of a, a liability thing. We're going to be talking about yeah. dark things, so you always want to prepare the yeah. listeners just in case. No, no,
1: I, I get that. So uh,
0: today's guest is Nicholas Vince. He is an uh, actor, writer, and artist and filmmaker best known for his roles in Hellraiser as the uh, Cinebite Chatterer and Kinski from Nightbreed. Thank you for joining us, Nicholas. Is there anything that you're currently working on, or anything that you'd like to plug before we get started?
1: Uh I see. I love I love people who ask this at the beginning because then we don't have to worry about me. Re- this is what I always used to do on my old YouTube show. Uh, yeah, let's let's do the list. Um, okay. So we uh, there is of course Book of Monsters, which came out last year um, and is uh, picked up by Epic Pit pictures and dread presents and is available on dvd uh, uh and online um there's a couple of things from hex studios uh black gloves and i think called uh, which they've just redone it was done as a black and white originally but they've redone it with color and a new sound mix i think that's just come out recently and then there is a an anthology film called for we are many um, that's there. And then there's my one man show, uh, which is my autobiographical one man show about how I got into about a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I may kind of, a, anything I think that's in the show might be giving too much away. I may avoid, but generally we can talk around that but yeah so that's a stage show and i'd had performances lined up but obviously theaters are closed so that's all kind of up in the air at the moment mm. just waiting for confirmation of when i'm next going to be able to tread the boards with that one
0: yeah yeah definitely living in uh interesting times currently i keep saying that but it keeps ringing true and i definitely look forward to the day that we can all go back to the movie theaters safely and enjoy watching people fakely getting their heads split open and dying and things
1: yeah, yeah. I think because there's that thing of sharing it with an audience. I mean, <clears throat> anyone who knows me and has had the misfortune of sitting next to me in a theatre know that I will literally leap out of my seat in fright. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> this is, this is me and a friend of mine uh, in the UK, in London, we have a thing called Fright Fest, uh, which normally happens in August, unfortunately being delayed until October this year, obviously. Um but I've been going for the last few years and I've got really good friends, one of whom is Mark uh, and his uh, film company is Jumper in Row D after his, his ability to leap out of seats. And one of our <laughs> mates, one of our mates got stuck between the two of us. And he's <laughs> <laughs> You know, if one was leaping, the other one, <laughs> it, was just, it was not a good experience. For him. I,
2: I guess in that case, it was a good thing you couldn't see out of the Cenobite mask. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well,
1: I suppose that's. but there aren't that many jump scares in hellraiser there is yeah. one that gets me every single time and it's not like i haven't seen the movie before mm. but and i know it's coming <laughs> and i but by that stage i've i've got so in, involved in the story i always forget and then i always kind of misremember the timing of it and mm-hmm. it always seems to catch me out um and so spoiler for Hellraiser, um, but there is, yeah, there is definitely a jump scare towards the end of the movie and it get literally gets me every single time. So my mates laugh at me.
2: I just had a great visual though of you you being on set in full costume, <laughs> and, and another of the Cenobites walking up, and you just ah! <laughs> 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 never
1: never could have happened because I mean, two of us couldn't see. I'm sure Simon yeah. mentioned the fact that he could yes. see. Yes, um, Doug and uh, Grace on the first one, Barbie on the second on the second movie, uh, Hellbound um we didn't have the time for that kind of thing I think to be honest <laughs> yeah
2: but just but, but just the picture of you being in full costume and doing that
1: and just and just <laughs> leaping no absolutely it's, absolutely. It's, absolutely I think that it
2: is yeah yeah well we, there was also, uh, go ahead I'm sorry
1: I was gonna say because I was so tightly wound in either makeup and leather uh, unlike the others I mean I, I had Obviously, my legs are very visible. But that was a very tight-fitting costume. And, you know, my movements were restricted when I was in that Mm. costume. So, yeah, it would kind of be this full-body leap up in the air kind of thing.
2: (laughs) Many years ago, I was working at a haunted house uh, just, you know, as an extra pair of hands. Mm. And um, leading up to the haunted house, we – we were supposed to take some of the people who were going to be our actors who were all dressed up in makeup and stuff and go hand out flyers. And um, we decided to do this and we took two of the kids to a place called Chuck E. Cheese, which here in the U S is, I don't know if you are familiar with it, but it's a pizza joint for kids okay. and they have like, like a ball pit and video games and things like that. And, and horrifying
0: so, animatronic robots and things, yeah, things of yeah, nightmares.
2: So so we decide we're going to get uh get something to eat uh, because they serve pizza there. That's their big thing. And so we get a couple slices of pizza. We sit down in one of the booths and I've got these two goth kids sitting across from me in full makeup. And out of the corner of my eye, I see by the way, the Chuck E cheese is their, their, uh, their mascot. And there's also a person in a Chuck E cheese costume that walks around greeting the kids and doing things like this. It's like a, like a, a sports mascot, kind of big mask, of a big mouse. And I see him he he's seen these two goth kids, and so he's walking up very slowly behind the shoulder of one of the girls. And <laughs> she catches the motion out of her corner where I eye, turns around. Ah! <laughs>
0: Screwed by Chucky e. G's. That yeah. is-
1: well, see this reminds me of when we did Hellraiser. Yeah. It's when, it's when Hellraiser came out. So one of the things they did to promote the film was a makeup demonstration in London. And we were, they had me in the Chasra costume and full makeup. Uh, and they got me into it before they allowed anybody into it. Cause we were, we were upstairs in a, in a cafe uh, in London and in the center of, in the center of London. And they, Uh, got me dressed up as chatterer, as I say, and then let people in. And, of course, if you just look at chatterer and I stand absolutely still, people just assumed it was a mannequin
2: Mm.
1: and walked up to it and came up close. And then, of course, it's like, you make a sudden move. And that was great. Mm. That that was a great (laughs) way. And I I remember uh, then... They released me and kind of loosened everything up, and um, I sat down in the audience. Um, and there was a nine-year-old go- girl in front of me. Um, <laughs> so I just tapped her on the shoulder as well. <laughs> um, my mum was there at the time. She said, "Yeah, she screamed, but she really enjoyed it." <laughs> oh, yeah, when mind. we were
2: Chuck E. Cheese, this girl was fourteen years old, and you know it was just. It nose right up next to her face. <laughs> she felt the whisker and just freaked.
1: <laughs> I, I'm also, I'm really, really not surprised. I'm not surprised, not surprised yeah. at all.
2: Never live it down. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, getting into the interview, the stuff yes, we're yes, supposed yes. to be talking oh, yeah. about.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said you had some questions.
2: Yes. So, oh, uh, you know what? We didn't go through part of the preamble where we talk about, um, so the way this is going to work is we basically ask the same sort of set of questions kind of three times, once for your childhood, once for your teenage years, and then once for adulthood, um, coming at it from different directions, you know, sometimes it triggers memories that you'd forgotten. Sure. Um, uh, so starting off with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things?
1: first ever nightmare. Um, it's a good start. W- yeah, I, it's, it's very clear. I remember this very, very clearly. And I was probably about six years old and I dreamt that I was in a pet shop. And then for some reason I was lying on my back and there was a crocodile on my chest and I hmm. couldn't breathe. And I was having real difficulty. Difficulty breathing, and I remember waking up um, to find my father at the bedroom door, uh, really concerned about me. And apparently, what it was is I had whooping cough,
2: mm. and
1: which you know is dangerous when you're young, um, mm. and it's quite concerning. And I was and I was breathing and coughing in my sleep so violently. I'd woken my parents and my father had come in to check on me. So I've a very clear memory of this crocodile lying on my chest and being unable to breathe. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, pro- that's the earliest one. Oh yeah. And my mother terrifying um, me and my brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good my, mother was, yeah, my mother was the sweetest lady. Um, very, you know, really a Wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, and most of the time throughout my childhood, my father was at home overnight. But a couple of times he had to um, stay overnight and work uh, overnight and had to do a couple of night shifts. Uh, he used to work at Gatwick Airport and in the weather, mm. he was head of the weather office there and uh, had to do these night shifts. That left my mother with me and my two younger brothers. And I clearly remember, again, I'm probably around about seven or eight years old. Um, and I don't know how best to describe these. But basically, it's a thin wooden stick with a string that comes down from one end. And then there's a paper cone. And the string is attached to the head of a clip. The clay head of a snake and when you mm. flick this forward the snake comes out and it's got a corrugated like a concertina like body and of course it looks like it, as if she's got a snake coming out of her hand it does mm. and i just remember being chased around the house <laughs> <laughs> cuz we we lived in a bungalow and literally you could walk in a circle around the you know all the rooms connected in a big circle and i just remember it must have been halloween or something or yeah, mom, for whatever reason, mum decided to <laughs> terrify the children. Um, <laughs> I'm all right now, though. I have...
2: <laughs> Many years of therapy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, those are probably the earliest scary you know, memories. Okay.
2: Okay. Any
0: um, early horror or scary things, influences that you can think of? I mean, this is childhood, so probably not, but uh, had you seen any scary movies then? Oh, yeah, been, no. Had, had I...
1: No I no I was a really strange child so um there, I mean way. I yeah I started off with the Greek myths and legends hmm. so I you know rather than reading children's books I I read Greek myths and legends because most of the children's books were written by English authors who yeah. uh, I just had no interest Enid Blyton uh, particularly was very popular with children um I just I tried reading one of the books and couldn't just thought it was terribly written Um, (laughs) (laughs) such a prig as a child Um, but I I really got into the Greek myths and legends so those kind of wonderful monsters uh, there Um, what were the earliest I mean it's teenage years before I started watching horror movies right Um, just because sorry go ahead well I I say watching horror movies Yeah, teenage years as a kid I was reading ghost stories um reading um collections of short stories edited by a guy called Peter Haining uh and so on. So yeah, I was definitely reading those kind of anthologies. Okay.
2: And not every question is going to apply to every person. We just, you know, have them yeah. because you never know. Of course. Uh let's see. Any particular ghost stories that uh that you remember in particular? <laughs>
1: There was, <laughs> I've never found it again, which is really frustrating Hating because that. I remember um, it's is a great one. And it's all about a guy who lived, well, he, he was a stranger to the town and he moved into this uh, house that was next to the cemetery. People didn't like him. He was very much an, a loner. Soon after he moved in, a rich widow died and was buried in the graveyard. Um, a week after she was buried, people noticed that the ground had been disturbed. And at the same time, the kind of rumours went around the town that she'd actually had her money buried with her. Mm. And come one cold, wintry night, the man who's living next to the cemetery is lying in bed, and he hears the door downstairs being opened. And then he hears the sound of footsteps coming up the stairs, and there is the smell of loam and uh, soil uh, in the air. And a figure flings open his bedroom door, and he's lying in bed absolutely terrified. And as he lies in the bed, the, crew, the the figure moves around the room, opening drawers and just looking in bookshelves until he, eventually this figure just turns to the bed and says, "You've got it." <laughs> 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 I just remember this story being you know, in this anthology and being a great story for telling when you know you was. Is could just you're getting together and telling each other creepy stories mm-hmm. um you know and i i really wish i could find the book it's it's not in any of the collections i managed to keep so it may well have been one that i found at a library mm-hmm. um but it's going to be pat you know the pan anthologies of horror and pan. uh
2: so were you it sounded like you there are at least a couple times here where you were actually Definitely terrified of these things. Did you also enjoy it at the same time, or did not that not come until later?
1: I, I yeah, I, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think I read a lot, including uh, a an author, but you know, my favorite author. Well, I, I read a lot of Dennis Wheatley novels, mm-hmm. um, the, the Satanist novels. Um, so those scared me. What I and I got into films by watching. Um, the Roger Corman films, the Edgar Allan Poe, Vincent Price films. Funnily Mm -hmm. enough, after this call, I've got, I'm going to be watching a QA and a with Roger Corman, which I'm very excited about Um, because those are the films that really, you know, they were my gateway drug uh, to getting into horror. So, yeah, I mean, I liked being scared. I think by nature I'm kind of a person who's interested in, ghosts and death and all those kind of things. Um, as I say, I was a weird kid. I started off with the Greek myths and legends when I was very young. Um, and I was always really interested in the slightly more scary children's programs. We had some really good scary children's programs. We had one called Tarot, which was about a magician um, who could do real proper magic. And I remember we were supposed to go on holiday, a three-week holiday to Europe. And I, re- I was really upset because that was when the new series of Tarot was going to start. And of course, in those <laughs> days, there were no video recorders. You missed it. You missed it. That was yep. it. No yeah, streaming,
0: that, no anything like that. It's that, just you nothing. have to be in front of the television at this time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I remember getting really upset by not being able to see Tarot. I've never found it again. I don't think it's ever been released on DVD. It was la- or live action. It was live action. It was live action. I mean, yeah, obviously, it had the cartoon of Scooby-Doo. Loved that. Then I sort of worked out that it is exactly the same plot each week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he would have got away with it if it weren't for those pesky kids. Yeah, F- um, dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Rot <laughs> roll. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Scoob actually. Come to think of I'm not quite sure if it's released yet. But was looking for it online uh it's not come up on my list um so yeah scooby-doo i was trying to think what are the apart from tarot what else was there yeah so to answer the question (laughs) which was did i enjoy being scared yeah i must have been really fascinated by it i mean when i started watching horror movies i discovered that as long as i got to the end of the film i was okay i would not dream about it but if Mm -hmm. i dreamt but if I didn't get to the end of the movie, and this was the, tri- the same with TV series, I would dream an ending. In my mind, mm-hmm. I had to finish Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. as if your,
0: uh, your subconscious makes up the, uh, the missing part. So yes. if you leave yeah. it open-ended, your, your brain just says, okay, well, I'm going to take this time while you're sleeping to fill in the holes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those are the, time, the only times that horror movies actually gave me nightmares literally yeah. physically gave me nightmares otherwise i wouldn't necessarily dream you know some of and to be honest i watched horror mo- you know the sort of horror movie i grew up with was franken's you know the, the universal horror movies the roger cormans that the hammer horror
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you know rather camp over the top um kind of stuff but Particularly with the Roger Corman stuff, I, *Mask of the Red Death* is my favourite film because it asks such interesting and deep questions uh, about God and who, if there's a God, why does he let plague plagues happen? Gosh, just realised how relevant that is today. <laughs> um, so
0: topical, yes.
1: Yeah, very. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection. Um, so yeah, I. I Those sorry, I've lost my track of thought entirely, (laughs) which which happens. Yes.
2: Um, Do you have any idea why it was that you were attracted to these things?
1: You mean apart from just being weird? A better explanation (laughs) than just being weird.
2: Well, the the way I look at it is. Someone I, I I knew a long time ago said to me once when we were having a conversation about, you know, what it, the things that she would do. And she said, I know I don't make any sense, but the funny <laughs> thing was to me, she did make perfect sense, but she just didn't understand the reasons why she was doing the things that she did. Like True. to me, I saw it and it made perfect sense to me. So when you say, Oh, well, I was a weird kid to me, that just says, well, you probably had reasons. You just didn't know what they were at the time.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I, I, mean, I can't link, link, say, Oh, you know, this terrible thing happened. Therefore I became interested with, um, in horror movies because I mean, I was, I was always a bit of a, well, but it doesn't outsider. need to be a negative. It can also no. be a positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just, I think I was m- as much interested in fantasy as I was in horror. I remember I read, there was a book series called, the tales of thomas the covenant or thomas covenant um is like six you know really really thick books 360 pages or, um thick paperbacks and i remember there were six books and i read them one after the other in seven weeks uh and mostly i was doing a book a week uh, i mean i i read voraciously as a child and an adult um it was literally by the time i'd left home i was taking over 200 books with me uh, yeah. and i'd read them all i don't re- you know i don't remember them anymore the great things craig points out my husband points out the great thing is i can reread a book many times because i'll have forgotten <laughs> most of what happens um <laughs> like the joke about having alzheimer yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mean I, you know, from, from,
1: my, from somebody pointed out the other day that teenagers are as forgetful as old people they just don't let it worry them <laughs> <And I> think, <laughs> that is a I good I way of
0: looking at it yeah it is a,
1: that's a great way of looking at it because i've always decided you know i A long time ago, I learned that youth is an attitude of mind. It's nothing to do with age. Mm. Um, You know, youth is about being interested, engaged, curious, and wanting to know and experience new things and find out new and learn. I love learning um, Mm. and doing new things. So, yeah, I think I was just kind of into all sorts of weird stuff. And I liked the fact, you know, I kind of found reality rather boring. I guess I, it was, you know, it's fantasy stuff. And I did read Lord of the Rings and as a teenager and The Hobbit and getting lost in these really fantastical worlds. Um, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed them. I just really enjoyed them.
2: It's funny you brought up Lord of the Rings because I was thinking about that a second ago when you're talking about, you know, forgetting things. I can't remember which character says this, but one of my favorite quotes is one thing pushes another out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I nearly used that line the other day. I can't remember. <laughs> Obviously, can't remember what the situation was. Just remember, it thank you. You have to understand. Of course, I don't. Oh, that's right. It was because we do a um, during lockdown. We've been doing uh, a film night. Uh, some mates have been, and I've been doing a film quiz night on Mondays, um, and it's great. Oh, it's really enjoyable. But I asked a question a couple of weeks ago about what the first uh, acknowledged gay film was that featured a film, a character who was obviously gay and was, you know, very definitely told it from their perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a couple of weeks later, somebody else, because of course we're in June, we're in Pride Month. And... um, the question was, I th- you know, I said, "What are the first six movies about um, gay people?" And I thought, I know, I, sh- I know, I should know the answer to one of these, but it's gone because, of <laughs> course, I wrote, I wrote it down. Therefore, why do I have to remember it? I, I, oh, yeah. I made a mistake when I was a teenager when I used to work in the school library. I realized I would never remember everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you stop trying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I said, well, if I've got a library, I don't need to remember everything. There are these things called books. Uh-huh. I can just go and as long as I remember where the information is and how to find it, I don't uh-huh. have to remember. Chris
2: and I both work in IT. And and so we are very familiar with the fact that you'll never know everything and, and that in reality, you have to have access to Google, if nothing else, so that you can you know research whatever it is that you need to research. Yeah. And uh, it's a double-edged sword because you know, one of the, the top things that they love to do in interviews then is to hammer you on the piddly little stuff that usually you don't uh, keep in your brain.
1: Um, oh, and- I, I remember when I used to work with a locker. Well, uh, I worked in computers for about 16 years at the same company. Oh. And our, um, after I left acting and writing comics, um, which is kind of within a year or so of doing Nightbreed. um, and I remember working with my colleagues, and they always had a chat window open mm-hmm. so that they could chat with people who'd left the company but who were still working on the same software. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. And uh, so on. But that thing about not knowing everything, I remember very clearly. Well, I, can re- I I remember the exact moment I realized I would one day die. <laughs> I, I remember that I was on the, I was in the lavatory at home, uh, and <laughs> you know, obviously thinking, as one does, as one does, got, you've got time to yourself to do this. And my grandmother had just recently passed, um, and I hadn't attended the funeral because I was too young, uh, and we thought, you know, we were being protected. I think I got to a reception. I remember it's the first time I'd seen prawn cocktail or something. Um, and, you know, I got to meet all my relations, but I didn't go to the actual funeral itself considered as a young baby. and I remember very clearly this moment that one day I would die and therefore I'd never read every book written and I got very upset by this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, this real... grim, Unavoidable specter of death or, you know, the, yeah. the end of it all, just like, oh, that there's was... so many books I won't be able to read. I mean,
1: yeah, precisely, because, <laughs> you know, I think in those days it was a kind of an attainable idea mm-hmm. that you would, you know, because there was, this, there was the library, there was the school library, there was the bookshop in the town where I grew up. And those were the places where you got books. So the number of books in my life that I was exposed to was a kind of a quantifiable sum mm-hmm. um, of the number of books that were available to you. Not realizing that more Uh, were being added every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you you had no conception of you know what universities were about or anything. I'm, I'm, I was young. I was around about six years old. Um, but yeah, so that was the first moment. I just like I'm still kind of frustrated. And actually, then having read an awful lot over the years, I realized actually not necessarily missing out on stuff. Yeah. I can't remember where we were before I went off on that tangent. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> it happens. Uh, I believe we're still in childhood, and we've covered most yes. of the questions. Uh, nightmares, influences, scary dreams. When, one we usually ask, which uh, does kind of caveat, depending on where uh, each one of our guests grew up, was uh, Halloween traditions. Uh, growing up in UK, did you participate in Halloween, or was, was it even a thing at that age, in that time?
1: Well, well, yeah. We had proper Halloween. We had English Halloween. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Pardon not. us. <laughs> not the Irish tradition, which was promoted by Christian clubs in America. The U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the story. You know how your Halloween tradition started. Oh yeah. Not really. It's, I don't. Maybe Chris does. I mean, they, I. It, um basically it was the Christian clubs who wanted to give explain to children about Satan and devils and demons but also wanted to attract them to the Christian Club mm. and make sure there were fun exciting things for them to do so the whole idea of trick-or-treating as an Irish tradition, across by the irish to the states Hmm. but the whole idea of making it into a bit into a holiday on which now more money is spent than christmas in the us Hmm. um was uh yeah it was the christian clubs apparently um there is a fascinating documentary the name of which entirely escapes me all about haunted houses uh, and which some of this material is in um But yes, I do remember. uh, We did have Halloween, but obviously no trick or treating or anything like that. What a strange tradition. It's called bobbing for apples. I
2: remember
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, where basically you put apples in water and you have to pick them up with your teeth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as I say, my mother being chased, you know, being chased around the house by my mother with a a paper snake. I guess those. I can't. I think we might have had toffee apples. I think. Mum made toffee apples. Yes, yeah, she did at Halloween. Mum made toffee apples as well as so as well as bobbing for apples. And then there was the yeah, there was the um, tradition that as you peeled an apple on that night, and if you managed to peel the apple so the skin was all in one piece, if you threw it over your shoulder and looked behind you, the apple. Uh, skin would perform the letter of the person you were going to marry <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, for an eight year old it seemed an awful long way away, <laughs> but yeah, I think you know that's that's the closest to the Halloween tradition before the popular you know let's face it, as I say, it's a great tradition, it means an awful lot to a lot of people, you know particularly in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I love the fact that I get on my Facebook people saying it's only six months to Halloween, we have something mm-hmm. to look forward to mm-hmm. um, and so on, you get the countdowns coming up on my Facebook news feed every so often um, but it's I think the only reason it's become big over here is because of course shops have worked out that they can sell very cheap plastic things <laughs> yeah <laughs> I they can sell tat, you know, as uh, the people. Um, so we do, ha- I mean, we do now have people knocking on the door.
2: Uh, did you? So I'm guessing in the proper English tradition, then
1: no dressing up in costumes. That's correct. Although I remember I did write a play when I was about eight years old, which because I got a glow in the dark skull mask. Hmm. <laughs> from the local toy shop. So I remember writing a play called The Wizard of Sod uh, and using the word sod, uh, because and my parents objecting to the words the use of the word sod, because of course it has two meanings, only one of which is a piece of le- earth, uh, yes. and the other which they, they were rather shocked that I'd chosen this word, <laughs> uh, and writing and bullying my brothers and neighbors into acting with it, and me dressed in this mask with an, a net curtain on as a ghosty death. So, yeah. Fun times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the only dress, that, you know. That, was, that, that We didn't go around the streets at all.
2: Hmm. Was there something in particular about the act of dressing up that you enjoyed, being that you then got into acting?
1: Oh, no, I, that, that was far earlier. That was much earlier. I mean, that was really early on. That was in, when I was at primary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got involved, interested, involved in performing uh, that. Okay, hmm.
2: did you have uh, any group of friends? I you mentioned your mother, you know, chased you around with that uh, mm. that snake. Did, did was she a fan of horror, or was there anybody else in your family she, who
1: was? Yeah, she was kind of interested. I think now my memory is what the reason I got to see horror films is that. They were showing as I was becoming into my early teens and therefore was kind of saying I'm not going to go to bed with my brothers who were a year and two years young and three years sorry three years younger than me because I'm I'm grown up now I, I want to stay up late and I was kind of allowed to on Friday nights to watch the Marx Brothers films, which was screening at like at 10 o'clock at night uh, now my memory is... And the story I've told for years is that they screened all the uh, Marx Brothers films, and then the following week they happened to screen either Frankenstein or Dracula, Universal, black and white. And The story is that they then showed the Universal monster, and I just happened, and mum said, oh, yeah, that's a good film. You can watch that. Um, And that's where it all started. Mm
2: -hmm. Mentioned Scary Dreams. Um, was there anything in particular about the things that we've talked about here for your childhood? Was there anything in horror related stuff? Was there anything in particular that you, that you would say made you happy that you enjoyed? Sounds like all of it.
1: Yeah. Coming back to the title of the po- the podcast. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, as I say, I was a strange kid. I was a bit of a loner. Um, It was the fact that, you know, you you had sympathy with the monster. The monster is the good guy. I think that's the thing that I identified
0: with. Uh, Taking a page out of Nightbreed.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Frankenstein creature is a victim. You know, it's not his fault he was created. It's certainly not his fault he's rejected by his father, effectively, and judged on his appearance alone. Those are things that kind of echoes with me. Um, so I was always on the side of the monsters.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because it's, it's almost like it can naturally go one way or the other, at uh, at least in the childhood phase when seeing monster in scary movies. You can either be horrified and separated from them like they're the villain, or you yeah. can identify with them as the uh, the protagonist and, and almost feel sorry for them that they're, they're misunderstood like that. Such as yeah, I, yeah. monster.
1: Yeah, I don't. What do you guys think? I mean, obviously depends um, on the monster. Sure, depends on the monster. Okay. Yeah. At yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and
0: the time, I mean, for me, it's it's funny. We have a lot of guests that say like, "Oh no, I loved horror from from the very beginning." And the the question of happy or unhappy or was it a good experience or a bad experience? Mine ebbed and flowed because from childhood, I was too young to have an interest in these things, and everything just scared the shit out of me. So I was um did not like them as a child, but later on in the teen years, I started to warm up to them.
1: Yeah, it's inter- I think it just, you know, and it, there's no one way. What I think is that people who come to horror conventions, all the, most of the people I've met, you know, it's the monsters they're interested in meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, I, that's not to say that Ashley Lawrence, for example, isn't hugely popular and, you know, she's the heroine of the movie um, mm-hmm. and or Claire or any else the cast from Hellraiser. Uh, but obviously it's... It, the people who you tend to see on the shirt, the t-shirts of the Cenobites um, from the film, those are the people who, who really want to, um, they kind of connect with. And I think that, you know, I do find that interesting. In that's that's fellow travelers in in that sense. Yes. So moving into uh teenage
2: years then, so you mm. mentioned you started watching, uh, getting to watch yeah. movies in teenage years, uh, it, but also books would apply. Um what from those years what really jumped out at you is like oh these are my favorites
1: yeah i think these this is when i was really reading dennis weekly i remember you know i remember reading dennis weekly under the bedclothes with a torch up until three o'clock in the morning um and then being wrecked for school the following day (laughs) uh and and not understanding why am i so tired Mm -mm. but i've got to get to the end of this book because otherwise i'm going to dream something Mm. I, that, you know, that actually, that, that relates to later life. Um, I was always a very, very sound sleeper mm-hmm. until I wrote, I read red dragon. Um, ah, yes, <laughs> and there's, there's a part where, you know, he escapes and he's out there and I was living in flats in South London. And so, I'm in, close to home. Uh, yeah, basically I was in my twenties by this stage. um, and I, I, somebody must have walked on the communal stairway, but I remember getting up in the middle of the night to, um, check the door and make sure it was locked. And I don't think I've had a really good night's sleep since then. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's just really strange. We moved our bedroom around a few years ago so that. The bed, the foot of the bed is now the airing cupboard where we keep the clothes. It's the closet. It's a walking closet, basically. I cannot go to sleep unless that door is closed, <laughs> and it has to be properly closed.
0: Yes, not, not um, uh, slightly ajar not, or even not, cracked.
1: And if I have seen too many American movies. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I've seen. Too, obviously, it has deep, <laughs> it's bloody deep in my mind. Some yeah things But I literally I can't. I just can't do it. Um, It really worries me if that door is open and I'll, if, you know, falling into bed and then turning over and going, oh, no, I've got to get up again. So I've got to close the door. (laughs) Yeah. We've all been there that moment where
0: you get perfectly in bed, you're all nice and snug, and then you just, you see the door out of the corner of your eye like, God damn it (laughs) yeah
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah in teenage years i think it was uh, this is obviously when i was watching roger Corman films this is when i was reading dennis weekly says that you know the, the devil rides out to the devil a daughter um the these are the things that were kind of interesting me and those are the ones that really stand out yeah question
2: about the Dennis Weechley you said Weechley I think it was? Wheatley. Wheatley? Wheatley. Okay. yeah uh, you could also mention that when we were talking about the uh, childhood stuff was mm. it did you also read them like it, it crossing over from childhood into teenage years or was it
1: just no it'll have been it'll have, I, I will have skipped I it would have been when I was a teenager okay. I don't th- I don't think as a young I mean i probably around about yeah, mid-teens. I would have thought because I would have been, I would have bought the paperbacks myself, and I think it would have raised a few eyebrows if, like, a ten-year-old. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, That's exactly uh, what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, No, I, I, I must have been a teenager. Um, yeah, because was, course, when you I mean, mentioned it, that in the
2: childhood part. I was like, wait, you said there were Satanist books? That's yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's like I do. I mean, the other book, of course, was uh, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I remember reading it and then losing it at school and having to go to the school office and get it. And um, so again, I probably around about 15, 16, and the school secretary looking at me and saying, how can you read such a scary book? And I'm thinking, well, obviously the sex uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't actually say that. I was like,
0: no, uh, that would have oh, been a perfectly I, acceptable answer. Yeah, like sex, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, It's Dracula. It's about sex. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think, yeah. So Dracula, Dennis Wheatley, yeah, those are the, those are the main things.
2: So it sounds like you were uh, starting to have other reasons to be excited by these now. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Any any other interesting things about? Uh, you mentioned the Devil Rides Out. I'm not familiar with that one.
1: Oh, it's uh, there's a horror. There's a Hammer horror film starring Christopher Lee, Ooh. um, and Charles Gray as the Satanist. And what did you like about um, that one? I'm just thinking of the fact, the fact it was filmed. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's many years since I've read these books. so it's, I remember the titles. I remember I kind of enjoyed them. Um, they were interesting. I think there was also there's another Dennis Wheatley called The Car of Gifford Hillary, which introduced the concept, introduced me to the concept of reincarnation. Um, so, Was it someone
0: reincarnated as a car and possibly prior <laughs> sorry. Stephen King? Like, are we? Sorry, <laughs> here. Uh, uh,
1: sorry, this is the car, car spelled K A. Uh, oh as it, the that's all right, that's okay. Um, you're not familiar with the book. I don't, you're not yeah. gonna. Um, so K A. So that this is the Egyptian uh, ah. word for soul, mm. effectively the car is the thing that travels outside the body after death and is, and goes to wherever, you know, but also in this instance, it was the car of Gifford Hillary being reincarnated. Um, okay. As far I as I
0: remember. Both okay. enlightened and embarrassed. No, no, no.
1: fine. That's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think those are the ones I, I remember. But I also remember reading um, H. H. Munro's short stories, uh, who is most commonly known as Saki. S. A. K. I. Um, He writes. He was an Edwardian writer, and he wrote great. Actually, probably one of the best werewolf uh, short stories I've ever written, And and the name of which might come back to me during that conversation, but I can't.
2: What was it about it? Gabriel,
1: uh, it's called Gabriel Ernest, Gabriel Ernest. And it's, what I loved about Saki is that he writes, um, mostly humorous stuff, but also very dark, humorous stuff. Um, it's called the short story of Gabriel Ernest. He writes very short, short stories. Some of them are only about four or five pages long. Um, but they're very intent- they're, they're beautifully written and very, very effective stories. Um, Gabriel Ernest is the story of a, a, a guy who meets, is wandering through the woods and comes across a, bo- a, a pond. And there is a naked young man sunning himself on a rock in this pond who just starts chatting to him about what he's up to, and then obviously the man's embarrassed about this nakedness, because he's an Edwardian, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just suddenly realize exactly who Gabriel Ernest is and exactly why local school children have been disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really wonderfully written story. Another one is uh, Shredni Vashtar. Uh, Shredni is S-R-E-D-N-I. Vashtar, V-A-S-H-T-A-R, Shredney Vashtar. Again, humorous, but very, very dark. Uh, and I really enjoyed those things. I like my horror, with, like like Vincent Price, I like my horror with a sense of humor. Mm. Um, but I also like my horror intelligent, ask you know, which are asking deep questions and, and things about... I think the thing that really attracted me to horror is because it... It really are. It deals with the big subjects. It deals with sex, death, sex and death. Really, as a teenager, those are the two things that I was interested in, um, and those are the things that I found in the horror books and the films that I was looking at. I was like, kind of like, okay, well, particularly *Mask of the Red Death*, which I. Uh, mentioned earlier about the fact that it's like saying why is you know why does god allow plagues therefore this earth must be the domain of satan therefore we should be worshiping satan if we want to survive the red to death hmm. um grateful really really grateful
2: yeah i'm gonna have to revisit that one it's been a while
1: mm. do mm.
2: you find uh, intelligence to be a common theme not even just in through horror but I guess you could answer both ways through, through the themes of uh, the things that you like in horror and also outside of horror.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like things that are make me think, Mm -hmm. uh, will challenge me, make me particularly if they challenge my view of the world, if they make me look at the view of the world in a different way, then I think that is worthwhile. I think that's, you know, that's a good piece of literature. But yeah, so I, I think that yes, intelligence, stuff that makes you think, makes me laugh, makes makes me look at the world in a new way. Um, or just, just you know, downright entertaining. Um I love Pixar. I love Pixar movies. Wally is one of my favourite movies. Um, just because it references Hello Dolly. <laughs> you know another great movie I, you know those are the, that's the stuff that i watch most of the time i do, these days partic- i think particularly during lockdown etc
2: quick question and something we forgot to ask for the childhood stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, did anything that you experienced related to horror in your childhood trigger any um phobias or fears
1: not that I can think of directly. I mean, the only real phobia that I used to have was a fear of heights. Mm. Um, and I got over that by traveling to the top of the Eiffel Tower.
0: Oh,
1: okay. um, and, in fact, having to go twice, because the first time they'd only let you go up to the first section yep, um, because there were strong winds. So I had to take another trip to Paris. Because I remember... As a kid I'd had this phobia. I'd kind of grown out of it. And then as an adult, I suddenly realized, oh, I'm getting this again. I don't want this fear. Mm. Um, I must do something about this because this is annoying me. Mm. So I traveled to Paris. I have a friend who lives over in Paris, so that, you know, is an excuse to go and see him. But I couldn't get to the top of the Eiffel Tower. So I went back six months later and got to the and was absolutely terrified. And it was like <laughs> it was really funny because my friend couldn't come with me, but he had guess other friends over at the same time and they went up with me and they were obviously quite concerned because I was because the very last bit of the Eiffel Tower is just is a really small lift Mm -hmm. that takes about six people.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Have you have either of you done it? I have. I don't know if you remember, but basically the top of the lift is glass. So you can see where you're going. And as we were going up that very slim part of the Eiffel Tower, you could see it swaying from side to side. <laughs> like, oh,
2: <laughs> I don't remember looking up.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. They yeah, always re- tell you don't look down, but in this case, it's don't look up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is. Don't look. Up, don't look up. And I remember. I we spent about an hour up the very top. Viewing mm-hmm. platform, and by the end of it, I just thought, yeah, no, that's fine. I can deal with this now.
2: I'm guessing you had good, clear weather if you were up there for yeah, a
1: y- yeah, absolutely. Yes, we were very lucky. You could see all the way to Montmartre, and and it was great. It was really fun. Fa- it was uh, sunset as well. Oh, nice. And so it was great. It was a really nice. I think we were wa- actually we watched uh, the church in Montmartre get rained on. Um, mm-hmm. It was that far away, but for us, it was really clear sunshine. That you know. Um, and I think that's what—that's one of the reasons as a child you, one watches horror movies, um, because you've got to learn how to deal with your fears. Yeah, we're all going to be a fear, afraid. Mm-hmm. It's, as you know, I'm sure, you know, courage isn't not experiencing fear. That's something different. Yeah. Um, courage is overcoming your fear and doing what it is you need to do or should do or have to do,
2: acting um, despite fear.
1: One of the great things about horror movies when you're growing up is, and you know, they don't have to be horror movies; they can just be scary films. You know, films that are made for children which are scary. They're not horrific. I was watching Goosebumps the other day. That's a fun film, Hmm. but there are moments which are genuinely scary, particularly if you're child. You know, you're a child. You've never seen an abominable snowman before, or you've never seen the Ventriloquist dummy that talks all by itself. Um, oh yeah, Dead of the Night, other favourite film. Gosh, how could I forget that? Dead of Night, Black. Have you seen it?
0: No. It's an really anthology.
1: I mean. Ah, okay, Dead of Night, British anthology, uh, black and white film, uh, stars Ralph Richardson. Basically, anthology, but it the the sto- What I love about it is not all the. Films, um, the, the the ghost stories that are told, or the the scary stories that are told, it work, but a couple of them are really silly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I think makes it such a powerful film is that rather than just being one story after another, as you often see in the anthology, there is an underlying story throughout the entire thing. Basically, the premise is that a an architect has a nightmare where he meets a group of people in a cottage in the country. Um, And he knows he's scared. He can't quite work out why this is scary. Um, And then he gets up, tells his wife, and he's obviously shaken. He goes to his first appointment, and lo and behold, it's the house from the dream. Mm. And as he walks through the door, he recognizes everybody in the dream. And they, of course, they are just presented with the strangers behaving rather oddly, but the mood that they then start telling their own scary stories. Mm. Um, The one with Ralph Richardson in is about a ventriloquist whose dummy decides that he's outgrown him and therefore wants a solo career. Dummy's name is Hugo, and it is terrifying it is one because it's a psycho i mean that's the other thing i was talking to somebody yesterday and they're saying how much they enjoy psychological horror and that's the sort. it's just like yeah it's the horror not the thing that is going to get you but the thing that you are presented with is really scary because the world is not right Mm. And, and there's something very weird going on yeah. um, or It's
0: just like the underlying just unknown. It's yeah, psychological yeah. horror is almost a double-edged sword for me because some things are unknown. and, and you want the explanation of what it is just to, to have it finite or to know what it is. but at the same time it's, it's more entertaining because there is that unknown that can't be quantifiable or, or you know defined. It's just it's left open for your mind to entertain itself almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the horror. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's like oh god, late teens, adult, uh, nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, completely terrifying. Uh, I there, so basically when I saw that, I saw I was working at the Horsham Arts Centre where I grew up, um, where I worked whilst I was making Hellraisers. So this is late twenties. Yeah no, so this is definitely adult. This is my late twenties when, um so I think it's seventy-seven when Nightmare came out. Mm-hmm. Um, was so that early? I, I oh God no, it it is It's earlier than you think. Yeah, I thought it was in the eighties. Maybe it's eighties. Maybe it didn't come out here. No no no, you're absolutely right. It's eighties, which makes it means I'm in my thirties in that case. Uh, you've probably got IMDb up, one of you. Check I am when. looking it up at the moment. <laughs> uh, 84. 84, yes, yeah, so much later. Okay, but that makes me 26. Um, okay, so I'm at the... Um, it's because, of course, it came out before Hellraiser, quite a few years before, before we made Hellraiser. So I'm working at the local art centre, and... The screening of this film. I'm working in front of house, and we have volunteer stewards. You because when in those days in a cinema you had to have a steward by law. Doesn't matter on the size of the audience, you had to have a steward there.
2: When you say and steward, rem- are you thinking are, in American terms? Usher. The, okay. Usher. Yeah. That's what Usher. I, that's what yeah. I okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a cinema usher, um, and then. So this girl says, I'm not watching this. It's too scary. I, can't. I said, fine, I'll sit in with you. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'm will i interested in horror. I'd quite, like quite like to see this. It looks kind of scary and fun. Basically, I held on to her throughout yes. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so scared. Uh, I was holding on to her as much as she was holding on to me. Uh, oh, God. And then I, I remember we walked. She happened to live fairly around the corner to where I live. So we were walking home together. And we were saying, God, you know, the end of this is talking about it, etc. Et and then we suddenly looked down and we realised that I was wearing a large baggy sweatshirt and a fedora hat. <laughs> it, it, so oh. my shadow, as we passed underneath the lamp, <laughs> it's just, it was just like, oh my God, it's Freddie. <laughs> um, and I think we both ran home after that um it's just like what the
2: hell i thought you were going to say that it was a striped sweatshirt (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, absolutely and i think if it had been of course we would have realized earlier but because it was just the way the light caught my shadow as we walked Mm -hmm. under the street lamp um and i just happened to be wearing a fedora and a baggy sweatshirt so it was like (laughs) it's freddy it's freddy
2: (laughs) so uh dead of night you was that uh I was slightly unclear was that teenage years or adulthood probably teenage okay, probably teenage um and i I was thinking about something else, so you mentioned red dragon and how that did trigger some uh mm. some fears was that uh teenager or adulthood adulthood okay
1: yeah, no I think I've mostly yeah I've done teenage i I'm, I'm onto adulthood now.
2: Uh, let's double check real quick. Let me run through my list here. Uh, so did you, there are a couple in, in teenage years that we skipped over. Did you at that time then start having any friends or family who, as Chris likes to call it, became your horror crew? Did you have a, a group of friends who liked horror or was it just still a personal uh, interest?
1: It's a different world. And it was the, the access to films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only place you could see films are on television or in a cinema. There was no vHS there's no cable, so literally the only place you yeah, you could go and see those films i didn't really have a crew who I went to see films with who who would want to see horror. Mm-hmm. I mean we went to see things like Greece um, I remember clearly and there was only like and these were my friends from Drama club. Um I do remember we were at home, uh, we were at my home, and they were screening <laughs> a film, if you ever heard of it, called The Night of the Lepers, Lepus, L-E-P-U-S, uh, which some of your listeners might have come across. Um, it's a bad film. I do not recognize it. I think it's got Doug McClure in it. Um, I, no, Clue Gallagher. I think it's got Clue Gallagher. If you look up Night of the Lepers, but I think it's Clue Gallagher from memory, maybe in it. Um, and I just remember the BBC announcer just saying, and now our big bad bunny movie for adults.
0: Yep. I'm looking it up right now. And this does look like a big bad bunny movie. That's it's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, the most ridiculous thing. It's just, if you're going to have scary bunnies, don't make them 30 feet tall. <laughs> don't make them taller than a house because your special effects budget does not stretch. It's just like so obviously cardboard houses. These bunnies <laughs> are just stumbling into it. It's just, it's a... Not good film, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's, but it's just like, and I remember sitting there with my mates, laughing our way through this, and just saying, "This is stupid. so bizarre." Um, <laughs> Night of the Lepers, the big bag, but and this had been late teens, early twenties. Uh, well, no, yeah, it'd be late teens, early twenties. I didn't leave home to go to drama school till twenty one, so it would have been before, you know, kind of between eighteen and twenty one. Yeah, because I've been driving um and <laughs> it's just, the silliest yeah i i will someday i'm going to sit down and watch it again just to remind myself but all the reviews of it i, I think it's got like three percent on yeah
2: okay so uh on to adulthood then <clears throat> what um you mentioned red dragon nightmare on Elm street Uh, You mentioned Goosebumps. I'm assuming you saw that as an adult (laughs) because that was... Well, it's
1: just recently. it's come up on Netflix, yeah.
2: Um, I don't know that I would include Goosebumps in the list of, you know, top favorites. Uh, You just mentioned it. But what what really has impacted you as an adult in terms of horror?
1: There's an unusual one, uh, perhaps. Um, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Um, Because I... I mentioned that I, I I worked in computers for a long time so after Nightbreed um I went on to write, I left acting and started writing comics. Uh I wrote horror comics on so Hellraiser the Nightbreed and worked for Marvel UK mm-hmm. uh, and Epic in the in the States uh writing comics and and then I kind of had to get a job a proper job to pay off all the debts. Um and I ended up in computers uh, and then I was made redundant in 2012. And the first, and the moment I knew I was going to be made redundant, I knew I wanted to go back to writing again. Um, and I was, I started writing on sh- uh, short stories as a, the first horror film that I went to see after I made redundant was cabin in the woods. Um, and again, I just jumped out of my skin and so on, but I really liked it for the, nihilistic ending um, yes. of that film. It's just like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. This is actually what would happen. <laughs> is right? this, is, this is a logical <laughs> right choice. Yes. If, the Chine, if the Chinese schoolgirls can't save us, then yeah, we're yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a strange film. Uh, well, just no, come so on it, and relax. Yeah, <laughs> but and I, and I and I love the the Cenobite character with the uh, with the spherical. Puzzle box. <laughs> and I, like, you know, I like I like the references to all that. So I think yeah, that is probably depends. Yeah, and I think that is the one that which had the most effect on me. Um but otherwise I mean I used to I watched an awful lot of horror when I was doing my YouTube channel where I was chattering with Nicholas Vince and I was interviewing filmmakers. I watched a lot of their movies. Um so th- th- There will be all those, but I think mostly what I go back to are the classic ones that I saw when I was a teenager, Mm. um, which I think is true for many people. Um, That's not to say that I haven't seen some great independent horror films uh, recently. This is why I enjoy going to Fright Fest, um, which I've done for about the last, continuously, you know, regularly for about the last five or six, well, yeah, probably for the last eight years or so. Um, uh, last train to... Busan? Thank you. I wanted to say Wuhan for a moment. Uh, I think I know that's wrong.
0: <laughs> Horror story.
1: Yeah, that, absolutely. Um,
2: <laughs> also topical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I remember being, just love That was the closing film. That was the closing f- uh, film of festival.
0: Were the, uh, were the uh, writers or the creators of Train to Busan there? <sighs>
1: I don't think they were, and it was, and it was shown as the very last one. Uh, so you know, we were all heading off after five days of fun. Um, oh, it's a good to things out on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was trying to say, oh God, shoot me! Really great, uh, fun guy. Um, he made a film about death metal addicts or heavy metal um, fans oh, in New it, Zealand. Uh, Deathgasm. Deathgasm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just hit- wonderful. I, you know, I actually didn't get to see it at the festival because I. Oh no, I did get to see it at the. First. I didn't have tickets to begin with, but one of my mates from Arrow Films, Arrow Video, got me a ticket. He's saying, "No, I've got a spare ticket. Nick, come with me." Um, nice. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And I got to see him after. It's just brilliant. I loved it so much.
2: Oh yeah. Um. What did yeah, you like about I,
1: it? Because it's silly Um, and it's funny, but it's truthful. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we talked about uh, intelligence earlier on. And also heavy metal is nothing that I really know about. It's not really my kind of music. Uh, It's not anything I would necessarily choose to listen to. Um, But yeah, so I, I think horror movies... Those are the three that spring to mind at the moment.
2: When you say three, just to reference, you're talking about Cabin in the Woods, Last Train, and Death Chasm? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, those are the three that, that have sprung to mind in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, If you like
0: Death yeah. Chasm, there's one called, uh, I believe it's Blood Punch. Same actors in it, and it's another New Zealand slasher film. It involves
1: time travel duplicates, I think.
0: It's, a, it's an interesting watch.
1: Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, I, and I have to say, having chosen those three, this is probably more to do with my tiredness. Um, and there are going to be many. I'm going to, when I finish this call fairly soon, I'm going to be going, oh, God, I, yeah, I can't remember any of these things. Um, and I should have remembered this one. How can I have forgotten that one? Because oh, yeah. obviously, again, through Fright First, and I've met a lot of filmmakers. I've been lucky enough to. Since I came back to to acting in 2013, things like Book of Monsters, um, worked with some really great independent filmmakers. Um, So, yeah, I I can't mention those because I worked on them.
2: Quick question. What was it that you liked about Last Train, 2%?
1: How to set up your movie really, really effectively. Start with a long shot, and you've got a, a guy... And you're not quite sure what's happening. Oh, there's a nice, cute-looking deer in the road. Oh, fuck, it's got red eye. Oh, I, can't, I think it's a red eye that suddenly glows, mm. and you realise there's... And then we get to see a guy who is failing, <laughs> who is just failing at being a father. Mm. Um yeah he spends so much time in his business he's an attra- you know he's he's an attractive character um because he's not an asshole he's an idiot yeah and he, he, he's not deliberately disappointing his daughter he's trying, you know he knows he's doing something wrong he's trying to fix it he's no idea how he's going to fix it and every thing he, he tries is just throw money at it and then it's just the claustrophobia of being on the train i think I think after walking on after walking, uh, after seeing that and walking out of the cinema, I said, yeah, wonder if anybody, you know, we've had snakes on a plane, which I've never seen. Um, Has anyone ever done zombies on a plane? Because it's the same setup. And of course they have, it's on IMDb. (laughs) Um, I've no, again, never seen it. Um,
0: It's what you expect. It's uh, zombies on a plane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of, it's, but it's a great title, and it's a you know, it's a great concept. Okay. Um, but it, it, yeah. But I just, yeah. I think I love the filming and the characters and the you know the way and the way the the way the zombies move. You know, it's just really interesting characters, and you're really rooting for the hero. You're really hoping that the nasty guy gets his comeuppance. Wait, are, um,
2: wait, are we are we still talking about Train to Busan, or are you talking about Zombies yeah. on a Plane?
1: No, train to Bazaar.
2: Okay, yeah, so it's also Bazaar. a zombie
1: movie. Oh yeah!
2: Spoiler. Yeah.
0: Spoiler.
1: <laughs> no, it's uh... no, You know, within the literally within the first two minutes of the movie, it's a zombie movie. Um, but it's a great zombie movie. It, it's it's uh, yeah, Korean. I think it's Korean, South Korean. Um, yeah, great film. Very very good film.
2: What I'm what I'm getting out of of what you liked about that movie was mainly cinema cinematography and storytelling or Did I miss something?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Cinematography, storytelling, uh, effects. And again, it's, it's coming going back to night of the lepers. I think when I write horror movie, when I write horror, either films or short films or, um, short stories. What I like to do is to make them feel as real as possible. And then you're allowed to change one thing. Okay. And see how that ripples and what the logical consequences are and how do your characters behave in relationship to that. And I think what I love about the last trains of Busan, every single character behaves as a human being right. in that situation would. Um
0: like, they're not over-exaggerated. They still go throughout their um, their habits and their their occupational habits. But there's yeah. also copies.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's all summed up in that beautiful uh, cartoon, you know, if, if where the guy's sitting looking at the TV or the keyboard just saying, if the people in horror movies would only just listen to me, they'd <laughs> survive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, th- you know, a good horror film is not one where you sit and saying. Oh, what was the fi- I was talking about another film the other day um, and uh, I said, this film is rubbish. And one of the other guys is saying, no, it's a great film. And I said, listen, he just had to turn the lights on. Literally, you know, the only time, he, the only reason he's scared is he doesn't turn the lights on. He goes out into the scary corridor in his home. He doesn't turn the light on,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Yeah, stick together. Everyone knows that cape comes up in Goosebump. Um, why don't we split up? Have you read your own books? <laughs> um, <laughs> have you not watched Scooby Doo? Have you not watched Scooby? Absolutely, precisely. Uh, everyone knows that you don't. It's why, it's why I'll talk about another adult uh, favorite movie, Scream. Mm-hmm. Scream is brilliant. Um, oh, yeah. Because I like the way that they. Deal with sequels. Um, uh, yeah, Timothy Oliphant
0: there with the movie within the movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I make one cool. uh, slight point on that uh, topic before we move on because we do have, probably have to wrap up here soon. But uh, yeah, like my Like horror movies where they avoid that trope of why does this person make this stupid decision by having everyone make the proper decisions. And it's, I can't think of an example of it right now. I think maybe uh, donkey punch odd title, but, but good film. It's all right. It's about what it uh, sounds like it's about. And uh, the donkey punch goes wrong and he ends up accidentally killing this woman. And it's how they deal with the body. And there's just horrible things that happen. So um, I find sometimes that, Movies like that that aren't even necessarily horror movies are are better horror movies than than slashers because people still make all the right decisions, but bad things just keep happening to them. Where you know after the last scene, something horrible happened. You're just like, what can happen next? And then this just tragedy falls into their lap where terrible things happen and people die in brutally grotesque manner.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think this you know this is the thing if if you can root for the character because. Basically, you know, as we all know, um, if it's your last girl standing or whoever it is, um, Ben. Oh yeah, another favourite one. Uh, that I wasn't involved with American Mary, the Soska sisters, American oh, Mary. Oh yeah, so were- I knew. I knew they'd start coming back to me. Um, like, absolutely fascinating. Um, just so well done, um, and just. You know, I was at the end of the movie. I was like, I, I know the girls, and I was like, um, girls, beautiful women. Um, Jen and Sylvia, and I was just like, you know, the, I was upset. I, You know, I didn't expect to be upset because she didn't get the guy. Um, you know, because to me, it's a romance. American Mary is a romance. Um, but that's the heart of the story. Um, it's a very gory. <laughs> romance, but to me it's a romance film.
0: Maybe um, half revenge story a little bit. There's
1: definitely yeah, a there. Yeah, but it is I but I think that's the that's the great key to it. And that's why well. I was very interested. Yes, it's a revenge story, but she needs what she is actually wanting is the romance and this is her guy, this is her problem. She can't make her mind up what's more important to, to her. And this is part of her this is her tragedy. Um I guess is that, you know, she can't, she keeps on making the wrong choices as we all do because we're all driven by stupid, you know, greed, anger, stupidity.
2: Hopefully you won't mind. Uh, I'll try to make these short. Uh, Mm, There are four or five short questions that we try to wrap up with. Um, Now talking about your life overall as a whole Um, and not necessarily talking about horror, which movie have you watched
1: more times than any other <laughs> recently? And I mean, within the last six months, probably um, because that's the easiest to remember. Uh, guy Rich is the man from uncle. Oh really? Yeah. Because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. grew up watching the TV series, the man from uncle. I had Pen- forgotten
0: about that one. That was a guy Ritchie film.
1: Yes. Okay. Henry Cavill and Army Hammer playing the Robert Vaughan and David McCullum parts of Napoleon Solio and Ilya Kuryakin. The homoerotic undertones <laughs> that are just played on, on screen are there. It's the two. There is a wonderful scene where the two of them are arguing fashion advice for. The female spy—it's just so silly and so much fun—and obviously loves its source material so clearly. Um, it's a nineteen-sixties movie made in the you know in the two thousands, mm-hmm. um, and I, it, it's just you know if, it, if you want to watch something that is going to take your mind away from what you were going through at the moment. That's it. The honest answer, obviously, the the, the physical as an adult will be Hellraiser. Hmm. Um, I have watched that again. The gr- great thing is having watched it, I mean, I obviously saw it when it came out, but when, um, and then when I saw it, when I first came out, all I could really do, was look at it and think, okay, that's the day on which we shot this. Oh, yeah, that's Claire. That, you know, that, that, that's that's Andrew. Um, it's really weird seeing these people I know and oh gosh, oh, yeah, no, I can see the edge of the makeup there and, and so on. So there was a very different experience. Then after about 10 years, I watched it and they showed it on TV and I thought, God, this is a good movie. I've, <laughs> you, know, this, I've not, you know, I'm now watching this as if I was just a member of the audience. Mm-hmm. And then I just really enjoy it. I just think, oh, wow, okay. And then when I started making short films, I thought, oh, my goodness, Robin Vision, the lighting cameraman, is a genius. <laughs> um, you look at this, if you look at the shot where Claire Higgins or Julia brings back the first victim, for example, just just as one example, Um where she's bringing him back, and she literally hesitates between light and dark. It's so beautifully framed. You've got them on either side of the screen. You've got a stained glass window in the background. You've got light coming in from the front door, but there is darkness in front of the camera, which is leading up to the stairs to the room. Um, So she's physically literally, and they just think, wow, there are some moments in this film they just think, Oh God, that's I, I you know, and you again you look at it, or I look at it in a complete just to learn filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously climb. So I mean, obviously, you know, that is the truthful answer. That is the film that I have watched more than any other. You know? Understandably. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh the reason we ask that is because, you know, sometimes that gives uh, you know, some sort of subtext. Um, and in your case you're underscoring by referring to man from uncle that, you know, humor is a very important, uh, aspect for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than, well, horror might be the, the most common thread, but other maybe other than horror, do you see any other common threads, uh, about what kinds of horror that you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, psychological.
1: I think it's kind of, as I say, intelligent, um, the okay. stuff that makes me makes me think that it you know is more than just jump scare, more than just a series mm-hmm. of jump scares, which is why I think I like things like Scream. Um, I like The Thing, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing mm-hmm. again because it's the most amazing opening sequence. Because um, you are right there, you know from the opening shot that something is wrong, because there is a helicopter chasing a wolf across the snow what the hell is going on that is some weird hunting thing yeah you're right
0: it's uh it's something it gets it, the brain gears going right out of the yeah it's so it, it making you yeah
1: think. and then when you start you know you get obviously you got the, and the superb effects and physical horror and and weirdness going on um but again the, the, tr- the truth of that movie is about suspicion mm-hmm. um this is what it's really talking about um is about and and fear and how fear breeds fear, um, yeah. So I think those are the you know those are again. It's the ones that make me think.
2: Do you have any idea why it is that intelligence is so important to you?
1: Yeah, because I'm very intelligent.
2: Ah, <laughs> good answer. <laughs> you had that one ready.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. That's such an obvious one. Yeah, because now I've always been interested. In, I tell you, what, you know, I, I don't like frequently talk about my age because I'm you know, I kind of think, of, my God, I actually survived this long. <laughs> um I touch wood intending to do it for a lot longer. Mm. I, but I've always said that my father, who died when he was ninety-seven, wow. was one of the youngest people that I knew. Because right right up until the very end, he was always interested. He was always he always wanted to know what his grandchildren were doing. He would have conversation. he wouldn't he was Talking to them, he was having conversations with them. He was really, you know, he's engaging with them. He engaged with new technology. He and you know, he was fascinated by the iPad. He was, you know, um, and so on. Youth is a is a state of mind, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm.
2: Sounds like lucidity might be important to you. Second, I said it sounds like it sounds like lucidity is important to you.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be clear. Okay. Next one.
2: Um, <laughs> so now that we've narrowed in on some of the things that you enjoy, um, intelligence, humor, lucidity, um, mm-hmm. last question is why horror? Because there could be any other number of things that could trigger those uh, things for you.
1: you. You kind of have two, um, you've got two ways of looking at life. Um, And that is you can either ignore the darkness, want it to go away, just avoid it as much as possible and hopefully and hope that you can stay in the light all the time and you'll be okay. Or you can answer the question, what is in the darkness? Can I overcome? Is the what is in the darkness a threat? Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a possibility of a friendship here. Oh, there's something. Oh, I hadn't understood. It's not as dark as I thought it was.
0: And I would say you can almost relate it to what you were saying earlier about the uh, the fear of heights. You know, it's, yeah, um, I was just it's answering the, the question thing. or or uh, resolving the problem by yeah. understanding it.
1: Yeah, I just going to say the same yeah. thing. Yep, we 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 need to understand each other better, mm. and we need to be not scared of each other, and work out that we 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 do better when we work together. You know, we live in a, on a very small planet in an uninteresting arm of the spiral galaxy. Mm. Um, this is a such a small world. This is such a small world.
2: I am going to say one, I, I agree with every everything you said. Uh, I do see that there may be one additional uh, relationship and mm. which I'm going to suggest. And I could be completely wrong about this. So tell me if I'm, I am right or wrong. Um, you haven't, no <laughs> thanks. Uh, you haven't specifically said this. Um, I don't think, but I think having alluded to different points in the conversation, um, mm. Sexuality, mm. uh, it's it I think you had said, you mentioned you had a husband. Um, mm. When you mention ignoring the darkness or asking what's in the darkness and facing mm. fears, mm. if you are gay, that kind of, there's some of that in that too of discovering about yourself.
1: Oh yeah. I think, I think absolutely. You're absolutely, and, and for example, you know, we haven't really talked about Nightbreed um, over the many years. I've had gay people come up to me and thank me for being part of a movie that meant so much to them hmm. because it helped them understand and put in context and also hold out hope that there was somebody else who, I I think for many of them, because, you know, it's a, it's a movie where the monsters get decimated at the end. Yeah. Uh, where is the hope in this? Um, but I think it's the fact that Clive had written of a place that, when monsters live with monsters and they're happy and that they can be accepted by you know they can just get along
2: self-identification
1: yeah absolutely um and that that there was a voice you know Clive has a voice and obviously my the huge one of the hugest influences on me and my liking of horror is Clive and I think you know I haven't alluded to it because it's it has to be a given um you know under under Lying, all of this is my friendship with Clive Park. Mm-hmm. Um In terms of films, he's advised me to watch or suggested that to come up in conversation. Oh, okay, Clive enjoys that, and I really should go. That, yeah. So I think, yes, no, you're absolutely right. Um, there are well, as I say, next weekend, the so Home, Soho, mm-hmm. Soho Horror Film Festival um, is devoted to Pride. Um, so it's gay films. It's gay horror films. Right. Uh, so that you know there is a subgenre here, um, but there is a there are a huge number of gay horror fans. Yeah, um, which is great. That's, it's wonderful. You yeah. know, I am mean, among my people. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I wanted to be careful how I approach that too because I, I don't want to come off as saying oh well it, it sums up it, all of this because you're gay. But it, I
1: didn't- <laughs> <laughs> no, it is part of it. Right. But, but this is the point I was making earlier on every one of us has a different view. Yeah. Um, what, but also what we, you know, people want to do is to put other people into boxes mm-hmm. uh, and th- because it helps them understand. And I, I get that. Yeah. Um,
2: but that's why I said it the way I did that. Yes. In addition yeah. to not.
1: Yes, three. absolutely. No, you're, no, you're, 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 you were completely and utterly respectful and I, and I, I appreciate that. And it that was beautifully handled. Well done. Um, but I think, yeah, we, we, we do. We like, we like us gays. We like our <laughs> horror. <laughs> and I am not the spokesperson for all gay people. On the, I would just like to point this out.
0: <laughs> also well put. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I do have to go gentlemen. I, I've got 10 minutes before my next, my next thing.
2: Well, thank you yes. very much for your time. Um, and thank you to everybody listening. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll cut the, the post uh, pitch and I guess I'll just talk to you uh, outside of this and, and later on and get whatever links you want from, from you. We'll put together a bio package. Um, sure. Thank you to anybody out there listening. Again, please do come uh, visit us at happy.com. We'll have a schedule posted there to show who we're interviewing next as as well as a list of the people we'd like to interview. Uh, if you can help us connect with any of those people or if you know someone you'd like to have added to the list, let us know. Uh, you can also become a Patreon subscriber and link to our social media or necklaces. In general, just come let us know how we're doing. HorrorMakesThisHappy.com